Okay, turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read our first scripture uh, out of Philippians chapter 2, but I do want to talk first of all about Acts chapter 1, because uh, what I'm going to say today really ties into what happened in Acts chapter 1. You see, the book of Acts is the, uh, is the connector between the Gospels and the Epistles. And uh, uh, the book of Acts was actually written by uh, Luke, yeah. who was the Apostle Paul's scribe. And, uh, you know, Paul wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. I mean, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> and he wrote the, the, the book of Acts as a, uh, uh, a continuation of, of what he talked about in Luke. And he, he even says there in the first verse, he says, he says, the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach, he's writing about, you see. So uh, uh, the book of Acts is like a conjunction between uh, the, the Gospels or the earthly ministry of Jesus and the rest of the New Testament, which is the uh, earthly ministry of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, uh, Acts is, is even begins with an ending and a beginning. Acts chapter 1 starts with a beginning and an ending, or an ending and a beginning. The end of Jesus' earthly ministry in the flesh and the beginning of his earthly ministry by the Spirit. And so uh, and you're familiar with Acts 1.8 that says, you know, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the earth. And then the, that chapter ends with him ascending into heaven. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Amen? So in his last words where you wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Yeah. So his, the final words of his earthly ministry were, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high and that power came in the person of the Holy Spirit and then uh, and 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 so we see them going to Jerusalem and remaining there and waiting for the fulfillment of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were gathered together in one accord in one room the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the church was birthed that day. And so and we know that, that uh, uh, in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus ascended to his throne in heaven. He assumed his position there as the Lord of lords, King of kings, and the ruler of all things. He was also the head of the church. Or the ecclesia. Ecclesia it means the ones who are called out. Amen. The chosen ones. The elect. The ones that, that are called out uh, uh, and separated from the, the world. And he is, he is the, the, the leader of the church. He's the head of the church. Well, Jesus didn't, wasn't just given this power. He earned it. And this is what we see in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Now, that means that he was God. When it says, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, that's just uh, another way of saying he was God. Jesus was God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus, who was God, took on flesh and became one of us. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, Jesus had to yield to death. Death could not take him. Jesus had to yield to death. He had to give himself to die. Death could not take him. They tried several times, remember? 
They tried throwing him off the brink of a hill. They tried to, they, they were going to stone him. They were going to do a lot of things. He said, oh, no, 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 that's not time. It's not time. And there have been times in my life where I think God said that over me. Death tried to take me, and the God says, no, it's not time. Amen. I believe our, I believe our days are numbered, and I believe we have an appointed time. Jesus had an appointed time, and he knew that time, and he knew it wasn't that time. So he says, no, you're not killing me today. <laughs> Amen. But in order for him to die, he had to, he had to humble himself and become obedient unto death. He had to surrender to it, even the death of the cross. He could have hung on the cross like the Catholics have got him, perpetually. Have you ever been to a Catholic church? You, you go to a Catholic church, he's still on the cross. You know, Jesus could have done that. He could have hung there until this present day because he had to surrender to death, even the death of the cross. Even the cross couldn't kill him. You know what killed Jesus at the cross? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. The Bible says he, he cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost or gave up his spirit. And he gave his spirit into the hands of the Father, not the devil. The devil didn't drag him off the cross and take him to hell. He surrendered his, his spirit into the hands of his heavenly Father. And he died. Even to the surprise of the Romans who were crucifying him. Because he died early. And they said, well, you know, check him, make sure he's dead. So they put the spear in his side. And out of his side came came water signifying that he had bled to death there was no more blood left amen and they were and they said well there's no point in breaking his legs because he's already dead the reason they broke their legs is because uh, they wouldn't be able to lift themselves up and so they would suffocate but he was already dead so they didn't break his legs thus fulfilling the scripture saying not one bone of his body was broken amen so it, it was all in his time amen he had, he had to even help death to happen. He didn't commit suicide. I mean, they were, they were crucifying him. They were killing him. But the timing of it was exactly at the moment the sacrificial lamb was being offered on the altar in the temple. And the temple, you know, the, the temple shook and the curtain was torn and the Holy of Holies was opened up and revealed and it all happened in that precise moment, that perfect timing when the sacrificial lamb was to be offered. That's how, that's how in control of timing our Lord is. So when it's your time to go, nothing can stop it. But if it's not your time, you need to say, whoop, nope, not time. Amen. Resist death until it's time. And then don't fear it. Praise God. So in this, in this sense, when Jesus, you know, it says, He became obedient on the death of the cross because that was God's plan. Then verse 9 says, Wherefore, or because of that, God has also highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And I want you to notice that there is no t time reference there. This is not a prophecy that someday, somehow, God's going to make every knee bow and every tongue confess. And somewhere in the far distant future, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. doesn't say that. It implies instantly, now. God set Jesus up on the throne, gave him a name above every name, and he commands that every knee bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord of all. Right then, right now. Amen? So when you encounter a rebellious spirit, you have every right to say on your knees and confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? That's the power that's in that name. 
Anytime we invoke the name of Jesus, we are, we are releasing a, a, a power that is recognized throughout the universe. And every person that hears that name, whether they be in heaven, on the earth, or under the earth, at that moment they hear that name, they have to drop to their knees and confess Him as Lord. One of the greatest sermons I ever heard, R.W. Schambach, was preaching on the power of the name of Jesus. Man, I came away from that place feeling like I owned the world. All because I know the name. Amen? I'm talking about uh, how, how Jesus, through his sacrifice, became exalted and given all the power. You know, Jimmy was talking Wednesday night about true worship and how it involves self-sacrifice. And I, I wrote in my notes there, I, I wrote, true worship equals sacrifice. And then I wrote under that, no sacrifice, no worship. The Scripture says, offer up the sacrifice of praise. Amen. Present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Amen which is your reasonable service. That word service is worship. So Jesus is worth the sacrifice that we give up for him. Amen? Anything we give up for Jesus is because he is worthy. He's worthy. That's the song they're singing in heaven this morning. Worthy, worthy, thou art worthy. Amen? Why? Because he was the lamb that was slain. Amen? And God made Jesus worthy of all sacrifice that we could possibly give up. Anything you give for His sake is worship. And it doesn't make you uh, the loser. You don't suffer loss. Because He said, if any man give up land, houses, wives, children, fathers, mothers, for my sake and the kingdom's sake, and that in this time he shall also, what? Receive a hundredfold, and in the world to come, life everlasting. So you can't lose with the stuff we use. Amen. But just remember that. There's power in sacrifice. When you are sacrificing for the Lord, you are entering into the same path that he took to the throne. And through your sacrifice, you gain power from God. You don't get weaker. You get stronger. Amen. And that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Amen. Well, turn with me to Ephesians 1, verse 15. Then Jesus became the indisputable, absolute potentate of the universe. I like those words. Where did you get that? I came up with it myself. Jesus is the indisputable. That means you can't argue against it. You see, you come across a, an evil ent entity, an, an enemy in the world, and the enemy says, no, Jesus isn't Lord. Uh, no, they can't do that. It's indisputable. They cannot dispute that Jesus is Lord. The Lordship of Jesus is indisputable. That means you can't argue against it. You can't say it's not so. Well, I've heard people say that. Yeah, well, they were ignorant. And I'm sure they regretted it. Amen? Because no demon, no demon can tell you that Jesus is not the absolute potentate of the universe. Amen? I like that. Indisputable, absolute. Absolute means it's a plenary power. Plenary means complete, full, nothing lacking. Like if we have a pl plenary meeting, that means we had a meeting and everybody was there. No one was missing. I would love to have church, a church service where everybody's there, no one's missing. We got people missing this morning. Everybody's got an excuse. Everybody's got a reason, you know, and, and they're all legitimate, I hope. And I, I just... I, I just know, I just know that uh, one day we're going to have this accident and everybody's going to be here. 
and you're going to see Pastor Thomason shout and dance. Amen? Because, because then the house, the house will be complete. Every, you know, plenary means complete. Well, Jesus is the indisputable, absolute, complete, nothing lacking potentate. Now, what's a potentate? It's just another name for king. He's the king of all kings. Indisputable, absolute potentate of what? The universe. Ruth and I were talking on the way to church this morning about, uh, you know, how the sun comes up in the east. Have you ever talked about that with anybody? Well, the reason we were talking about it, we were at a stoplight facing the east, and the sun was coming right in our eyes. And I said, have you ever noticed that the sun's always there in the morning? And I said, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that are changing, but that never changes. And then Ruth, getting smart, you know, she says, well, sometimes it comes from that direction, and sometimes it comes kind of like that way, and that's because of the tilt of the earth and all the, you know, and the sun, the, it looks like the sun is moving from, you know, uh, you know at certain degrees. Well, it always still comes up in the east. And the reason it tilts is because, you know, the, the, the earth is tilted. The sun isn't moving, isn't changing, it's just the earth's axis. And then we, just, we were discussing, you know, why it's that way, and uh, it, why didn't God fix it? Well, if he fixed it, then the cold, cold climates would always be cold, the hot climates would always be hot, and we wouldn't have the changing seasons. And the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, <laughs> as long as the earth remains, there will, be, there will be cold and hot and winter and summer, and seed time and harvest, amen? So even the law of the Lord keeps the earth on its tilted axis. Amen. He's in control. He is the power. Everybody say, He is the power. There's only one real power, and that's our mighty God. And, and Jesus has been given that power, the power to rule the universe. Amen. And you, when you surrendered to Jesus and you gave, you gave your life to Him and called Him Lord... You were calling him your indisputable absolute potentate. Amen. You were making him the absolute controller of your life, and you surrendered control to him. Amen. That's why you can't die before your time. As long as you're surrendered to him, he's calling the shots. Amen? Think about it. Just think about it. You say, well, yeah, but I could end my life anytime I want to. Yeah, you could, but then you wouldn't be surrendered to him. See, you can unsurrender, but that's dangerous. When you unsurrender, you wind up killing yourself, or you wind up getting knocked off by some demon, or you wind up getting uh, uh, prematurely ejected from this world. But if you remain surrendered, he's in control. We say this a lot, and it sounds really uh, spiritual, and it sounds really uh, uh, even truthful, but it's, it, it's, it's not really a, a true statement that God is in control of everything. That's not true. God's in control of what you give him control of. If God is in control of your life, it's because you surrendered your life to it. And then God takes the reins, and God directs your life. You may have your plans, but He directs your steps and all that. But I'm telling you, if if uh, if you if you do not surrender your life to Him, He doesn't control you. You can't say He's in control of everything. I mean, look at the mess the world is in. If that, those kind of when we make those kind of statements, we really indict God for all the problems that are in the world. See, God has given control over to man. And he is, he's, he's letting, letting man have what we call uh, free will. And men free will choose to serve Satan. They free will choose to make themselves God. They free will reject God's authority. And when you reject God's authority, then, then uh, as far as your life is concerned, it's out of control. Now, God is merciful, and he will, he, will, he will do things on your behalf. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Yeah. 
God will do things in, out of his mercy to preserve people, but, but uh, it's, not, it's not making Jesus the Lord of their life. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, there's a power that is released into your life that is keeping you and protecting you and, and going before you and defeating your enemies. When Jesus is in control, truly Lord of your life, then your life is not out of control. <laughs> but if you take the reins of life, you're a drunk driver. And you're going to wind up in the ditch. Boy, this is good preaching. Man, I'm glad we're recording this. Because somebody somewhere is going to hear this and believe it. And it's going to transform their life. You see, my job is to always, every day, surrender my life to Him. Every day, live a life that's surrendered to Him. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. We've got it on our sign out there. Jesus is Lord of Cornerstone Church. You know what that means? That means when we're doing something in here, we got to we got to do it according to the rules. Amen. Amen. Our bookkeeping is according to the rules. Our <laughs> you remember the the problem we had moving into this building because you know someone didn't obey the rules. And it weren't building according to code. And so we had this hiccup. It wasn't our fault. It was the owner's fault. But, it, it, you know, it delayed our coming into this building several months because, because, you know, we put the name Jesus out there and we said, we're Jesus is Lord. And Jesus says, you're not moving into that building until it's right. And I want to tell you what, of all the buildings in Jacksonville, Florida, this building is according to code. Because, man, they were mad at him, and they socked it to him, and they made him jump through hoops that other people don't have to jump through. Of all the places and all the churches are meeting in in this town, this one is more to code than anybody else. Not by choice. <laughs> but Jesus is Lord. We got his name on our sign. His name is on your life, so we got to live our lives according to His rules. That's what it means. Lord means rule maker and rule enforcer. So you say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Then He says, prove it. You say I'm the Lord of your life. You say you love me. Keep my commandments. Do what I say. Do what I tell you to do. It is, no longer is it optional. He's either in control. Anytime Jesus is in control, it needs to be indisputable. It needs to be absolute, and it, he needs to be the potentate. He's not coming in to be your co-pilot. Matter of fact, when Jesus arrives, you ride in the back of the bus. He's the driver. No co-pilot. My goodness. You give him control, take your hands off. <laughs> Praise God. So listen to what it says. Ephesians 1.15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prays. And I, I, believe, I believe this is for us too. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's in control. We need to know something about him. If you're going to give control of your life to somebody, you need to know who they are. You need to know something about him. You need to know their pedigree, their resume, and, you know, what they're going to do with you. If I'm going to give control of my life to somebody, I want to know what he's going to do with my life. And Paul's praying that you would have a revelation concerning who he is. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? To a lot of people, Jesus is a swear word. To others, he's a lucky rabbit's foot. You know, who is he to you? 
Well, to me, he's the indisputable, absolute potentate of my life. King of my life. The rule maker. He says, he says that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You see, Paul's prayer were, was that you would get your eyes open and you would have some understanding and know what this relationship's all about and what you get out of it. See, I'm convinced a lot more people would follow the Lord if they knew what they were going to get out of it. And churches are really poor representations of what the people can get from a relationship with Jesus. I mean, churches in general have as much divorce as the world does. Churches in general have as many homosexual and gay and, and uh, alphabet children as the world does. And it goes on and on and on. There, there are as many problems represented in the church as there are in the world. A church needs to be a, a difference. When you become a part of a church and a part of Jesus Christ, it, it should make a difference in your life. And the reason it doesn't for Christians is not because they're not saved and because they're not born again. It's because they haven't been enlightened. They don't understand what they got a hold of. They don't understand what's got a hold of them. And that's what Paul was praying. Paul was praying that we'd get our understanding open so we would understand and comprehend what we've got when we've got Jesus. Amen? He says, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance? There, there are some riches to be had. Glory to be had. Inheritance. Verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God has highly exalted him and, and raised him up and given him a name above every name. He says here that, that, uh, that there's power for us in that. The resurrection of Jesus is a revelation of the power that it's coming towards you. And I've explained this before, how, how that power that, he, that, that is, is, is coming toward us who believe is unending. It's an unending flow of resurrection power that continually comes toward you and comes into your life. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now. I don't feel it. Well, I don't care what you don't feel. The Bible says it is. The Bible says the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is flowing towards you right now in an unending, unbroken flow. And it's in the form of the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Spirit is the power of God that raised Him from the dead. Amen? And so... He says in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. See, that's that, that's that Lord of Lords. And verse 22, he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the which you are. He is, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Kenneth Hagin says body, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The body is the fullness of him, Jesus, who fills all in all. What a, oh, that's fancy language for what? The power of God is continually flowing toward you and filling the church with the full power, the full power of the Lord God. The full power of the Godhead, the full power of the Creator fills the church. 
doesn't say potentially fills. doesn't say one day will fill. It says it fills. Amen. Where Jesus is, the power is. Amen. When Jesus comes in, the power comes in. When you said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, Jesus came in and the power of the resurrection transformed you and caused you to be born again and reunited, reconnected you to the 220 power of the Almighty God. You went from battery power to full power. You went from barely alive to whoo, <laughs> eternally alive. Hallelujah. The power that was promised to the followers of Jesus in Acts 1.8, when he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, that power is uh, dunamis, which, which, where we get our word dynamite, it means, it means the ability, uh, the ability of God, the efficiency of God, uh, the might of God. The mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus said, you shall receive when you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive authority because you have dunamis. Dunamis is translated power and authority, uh, that's the word exousia, it's also translated power. You see, the policeman, if, he, if you're driving down the road and you see a police officer in his full uniform standing in the middle of the road holding up his hand, you're going to stop. Why? why? Why do you not just slow down and go around him? Because not only does he have a hand up, he has a badge. That's his exousia. That's his authority. And not only does he have an authority, exousia, he also has dunamis. He has a gun. And if you go around him, because he has the authority, he can pull the gun and blow you away. And you are afeard of him. You are afraid that he might do that. Amen? So you stop. Not because you're polite, not because you uh, are a good citizen. You stop because you're afraid of the guy. He's got power over you. He's got authority to stop you. He's got the authority to arrest you. And he's got a 45 strapped to his side to blow you away if you don't obey him. And surely you know they do that. They do blow people away. And I'm glad they do because that tells the rest of us that it's not a bluff. Amen. They're not bluffing. The Almighty God is not bluffing. He's got the authority and He's got the power to blow people away. <laughs> Hallelujah. I saw, I saw a, a bill, uh, somebody posted a picture of a billboard south of town here that uh, was, was rainbow colors, and it had, it had Florida is gay. Picture of Florida, you know, the map of Florida, pink, red, yellow, you know, rainbow colors, and it said Florida is gay. And then there was another picture right next to it where that same sign was blown away by the wind. Now there was another sign right next to it. It's two, it's two billboards, a double billboard. The one said Florida's gay and the other one said Jesus heals marriages. Yeah. And that one's been up for months and months and months. Well then they put up this Florida's gay right next to it and the, the storm came along, the wind storm came along and blew the gay one away and left the other one untouched. You see, you don't mess with God. He's got the power. <laughs> you don't mess with God. He's got the authority. Jesus has the authority to rule the universe. And he's got the power. Well, guess what? He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Matthew 28 Verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. 
Now that's the, that's the scope of its power. Full, you know, and under the earth. We know that the scripture even says under the earth. So he's got, he's got a full scope of power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way to even to the end of the world. Amen. He said, I've got the power. Go. Why? Because he, we are his church. And we are who he fills with power. And he fills us with all power. So the church is full of his power. Therefore, go. Go where? Everywhere. To who? Everybody. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because that's the scope of his power. And that has become our scope of power. We've got, we've got the power to go anywhere. To go anywhere and to anybody and to preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. There it is. We've been authorized and empowered. Acts 1.8, after you receive the Holy Spirit, you, sh you shall be my witnesses. Right? Yes, Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and the other most parts of the earth. And then Act, uh, Matthew 28, Mark 16, he says, he says the same thing. I have the power. I give it to you. Go. How do we know he gave it to us? He said, well, verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. In other words, we're going to tell devils, Jesus is Lord, bow your knee, confess that Jesus is Lord, and get out. And they have to go. They shall speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Jesus gave you the authority and the power to speak with new tongues. Amen. I tell people that. I say, you know, uh, did, did you receive Jesus as Lord of your life? Yeah. I said, did you ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit? They say, yeah. And I say, well, he has. So now you, you have the authority and you have the power. Speak in tongues. <laughs> and as soon as they realize it, as soon as they realize that it's true, they, they speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, serpents is a sign, is representative of Satan. I'm not, I'm not recommending that you uh, go get a box of snakes and just play with them to prove your faith. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what happened to the Apostle Paul on the island when he's building a fire and a poisonous snake came out of the fire and bit him. And he just slung it off into the fire and went on ahead and gathering more sticks. And the natives, they thought, man... He surely offended God because the snake bit him. He's going to die, and he didn't die. So then they were, got confused, and they said, he must be God. <laughs> so they, started, they bowed down and started worshiping him. And he said, no, 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 you got it all wrong. And before long, that whole island got saved. Amen. Why? Because he had power. Yes. He had power over natural and supernatural attacks of the enemy. And the same way with uh, if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. I've heard many testimonies throughout my life of people who uh, were, were missionaries or who were preaching the gospel in hostile situations, and they tried to poison them. And they ate the food, drank the drink, and didn't die. And the people, knowing what they had tried to do to them, knew that there was something supernatural happening, and they, and they all got saved. And then they come up and testified, we tried to kill you. <laughs> Amen. I remember John Hagee one time, he was preaching away in his church, and a man stepped up on the platform, pulled out a gun, and emptied the gun, six shots, right, point blank. The bullets passed through his body into the wall behind him and never hurt him. Now, you can't miss Hagee. But what a deal. What a deal. Now, does that mean he goes around and says, shoot at me, I'll shoot at me, I'm impervious to bullets? No, that's, that would be tempting the Lord. But when you're doing the work of the Lord and they try to kill you, you have supernatural power and authority to, to 
survive it. You see, that verse 20 says they, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You see, Jesus gave all of his followers a job to do. And with that job, he gave us the ability to perform it. And it's not our ability, it's his ability. Supernatural power. Jesus ascended, remember, into heaven, and, and his purpose, one of his jobs in heaven, is to direct the work of the church. When we go, he goes with us. Our steps are directed by him. And when we speak, he confirms what we say with signs following. He's working with us. Amen? Praise God. And uh, I'm telling you. And it's going to be that way until he comes back. Remember, he went up into the heavens in a cloud, and they're standing there looking up. And the angel says, what are y'all looking at? <laughs> and the angel of the Lord said, this same Jesus that you see go away shall in the same manner come again. You see, this same Jesus is coming back. Well, until he comes back, the church has work to do. We have work to do. We are his emissaries in the earth. Amen? So he, he is sitting on the right hand of the power of God, according to Luke twenty two sixty nine. And when he sat there, his first act, everybody say his first act. His first act as potentate of the universe was to send forth the Holy Spirit. Acts 2. Look at Acts 2.32. Peter's preaching here, and he says, This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. You see, the coming of the Holy Spirit was, was, was audible and visible. It was clear to the human senses. People who did not know God heard something. People who did not know God saw something. And Peter's explaining what they have heard and seen. He said, what you're hearing here, these people babbling in languages they never learned, and what you're seeing, them staggering around like drunks and praising God and worshiping God, what you're seeing and hearing here is the first act of the chief potentate as he sat down at the right hand of the throne of power. His first act was to shed forth. Notice he came upon every one of those 120 in the upper room. Yep. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Spoke in tongues. I say that for all the Catholics. Mary, the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus cast seven devils out of, spoke in tongues. I mean, it's for everybody. For everybody that's with Jesus, everybody that chooses Jesus can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's regardless of who you are. It's regardless of your present circumstances. It's regardless of what you've done and where you've been. It's all under the blood. People who come to Jesus and receive forgiveness from God, their sins are gone. They are people without a past. All you have is a future. Amen. Amen. All you've got is a future. And the power that rules the universe is coming at you right now. Uh, you've heard me say it many times, but I, I think it bears repeating. The power of the great power of God is coming at you right now. Knocking at your door. All you've got to do Turn your cup over and say, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Amen. 
Lord, fill my cup. And he'll fill you to overflowing. 1 John 4, verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, them be in the world, and the spirits of Antichrist. You are of God, little children, have overcome the Antichrist spirit. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The greater he, the greater he is in you. He's greater than he that is in the world. The spirit of the world is no match for the spirit that dwells in the church. The true church. The true believers. Amen. You turn on Christian television, Christian videos, YouTubes, and whatever, and you, you, all you hear is how evil the world is and how wicked the world is and how much evil, you know, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm not disagreeing with any of that. But what I'm saying is that that's not so we'll fear. Because no matter how much evil there is in the world, That which is in me is greater. If I'll surrender, if, if I'll yield and sacrifice my whole being to be led and empowered by Jesus, I have nothing to be afraid of. I have nothing to fear. Amen. Someone asked me one time, I was getting ready to go somewhere on a missions trip, and it was to a country that was labeled the murder capital of the Western Hemisphere. And uh, they said, aren't you afraid to go there? Not only was it the murder capital of the Western Hemisphere, but uh, one of their chief uh, ways of making money was to kidnap Americans and hold them for ransom. I said, aren't you afraid to go there? And I said, no, I'm not afraid to go there. I've been to South Dallas. I've been to Chicago. Yeah. I grew up across the railroad tracks. I, I grew up on the wrong side of the railroad tracks. I'm not afraid. Matter of fact, when I go and I know God is sending me, that's, that's important. I don't go as a tourist. I go because God is sending me. And I know that that since he sent me, I'm his ambassador, and I have all the authority and all the power of an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And so actually while I'm there in Honduras, I feel safer than when I'm at home. I obey certain rules. I don't go out wandering around the neighborhoods at night. I stay with the group. I don't carry my money flashing it around everywhere. I don't wear, you know, expensive jewelry. I don't go around tempting them. Hey, y'all, rich American coming down the street. No, I don't, I don't tempt them. I use wisdom, but I'm not in fear. I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never even occurred to me to be afraid. Matter of fact, I took all the teenagers in the church with us. They were bolder than the adults that have gone with me. I mean, they're not teenagers anymore either. <laughs> Praise God. Aren't you afraid to go to Nepal where it's against the law to Convince people to change religions. You can go to jail for five years just for passing out a track. Aren't you afraid to go to a place like that? No. No, I just, I just, uh, I, I just go under the radar. But fear doesn't even enter into it. Why? Because I believe that verse: "Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world." Well, you know, even Paul got arrested and thrown in prison. Yeah, look, look what came out of that. Two-thirds of the New Testament. So, you know, uh, uh, I think God had a hand in that. Well, they cut his head off. Yeah, 
He said, my time for departure has come. His appointed time to leave came. He wasn't crying about it, blubbering about it. <laughs> and when my time comes, you know, you know, a swift death would be preferable from dying slowly of Alzheimer's in a nursing home. I'd, I'd rather have my head cut off than to do that. I don't have a hospice approach to dying. I'd like to, I'd like to die with my boots on in a flame of glory. Amen. Doing what God called me to do. I don't want I don't want to die lying down. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to I'm not looking to die. But I know that all of us are going to. So we live like we're never going to die and we we uh, we stay prepared like today could be our last day. Because we don't know. Like our friends we were talking about today. That just here today and gone the next day. and That's going to be you. That's going to be me. It's going to happen. Do we live in fear? No, we live in anticipation of it. We live in preparation for it. We live ready. Amen? Amen? And how do we do it? We receive the power that is coming at us and available to us through the Lord Jesus. Somebody needed this. Somebody is feeling weak. Somebody is feeling fragile. Somebody is feeling like they're on the verge or the brink of a meltdown, a breakdown, a, 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 a personal disaster. But I want to tell you, hook up. Hook up today to the Lord Jesus and receive his power. He's got power for living, power for dying, power for working, power for everything you need. Whatever it is you need, he's got the power required. I've laid hands on a lot of people and prayed for them. And I've had people tell me I felt power. I felt power hit me. That's what happens when people fall out on the floor. They come in contact with a power that they are not able to withstand. And it knocks them down. Some people, it doesn't knock them down. It just goes through them. Gets in their feet and they can't keep their feet still. That's happened to me, believe it or not. I was praying for a guy one time who came forward on crutches and he had broken his foot. His foot was all wrapped up. And, uh, you know, we're having an altar time. And so there were a lot of us ministers down praying for people. And he was on the far side, that side of the building, uh, kind of under the overhang. And I, I went over there and I put my hands on his foot. I got down, put my hands on his foot and I began to pray and I felt the power. I mean, I felt, I felt like a lightning bolt just go through my hands into his foot and he threw those crutches down and started dancing all over the place. But he wasn't alone. That same power that hit him hit me. And I'm dancing. I'm right along with him, man. I'm just dancing. And, and uh, when it was all over, people were bringing me my wallet. They were bringing me my keys. They were bringing, because I danced everything out of my pockets. I mean, my wallet went flying, my keys went flying, my, my ink pen went flying, and people are gathering up all of my personal belongings and bringing them to me. Said, you, you, you danced so hard that you lost all of these. It was dangerous to be near you. And the guy was healed. He unbandaged his foot, and he walked out of there holding his crutches over his shoulder. I'm telling you, folks. There's power for everything you need. There's power for everything you need. When I was going to college, year, many, many years ago, I was driving a 1956 Pontiac Sky Chief. Had the big engine in it. Got about seven miles per gallon. I had to drive 27 miles one way to college campus then 27 miles back in that gas guzzler. Yeah. 
And uh, <clears throat> I noticed one day on my way home, it was on empty. Gas tank was on empty. I said, God, I don't have any money. How am I going to get home? Well, I just kept driving, and I pulled into the driveway. I, I made it home. Next morning, I forgot about it, and I got in the car, and I started up, and I took off to class, and I was running late. I had to, I had to really boogie, but that, that Pontiac would boogie. It'd go down the highway, and, you know, I mean, but you, you, could, just, you could just hear it sucking the gas. Had a four-barrel carburetor, one of those, uh, not Hemi's, but what do they call them? Huh? Holly. And, uh, and man, that thing would burn the gas. But it would fly, too. And I get about three quarters of the way to, to, to my class, and I realize, whoop, I, I don't have any gas. And I didn't have any money. And I left home before I could ask my dad for some gas money. You know, Dad, I, I need some gas. So I just said, Lord, you got to help me get there. And when I got to class, left class, got home, I did that for a solid week, back and forth, on an empty tank of gas. Well, then I got some money. But I didn't buy gas with it. I thought, hey, I, I'm going to ride this miracle out. I'm going to see. And you know how far I got? I got to this first stop sign at the end of the street, and I ran out of gas. I said, God, why did you do this? He said, he said, I provided you the money to go buy gas, and you didn't do it. You know, so now you're presuming. These are lessons you learn when you're young in the Lord. But you see, I needed power to power that automobile, and God powered my automobile. Whatever it is you need. See, a couple weeks ago, I preached the message on it's time to oil up. It's time for you to trim your lamps and fill, fill up with oil. Fill your reserve tank. I, I'm, I'm, I'm following that up with this message. The power is available to you. There's this huge, vast, unending storehouse of power that God is sending and directing you. The, the delivery vehicle is coming to your door every day. You just need to receive it. You need to tank up on it. You need to, you need to suck it in. Amen? Be being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. That's the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That's your power. Amen? Anybody here feeling more powerful yet? Praise God. I'm just I'm, all I'm doing is explaining it, what already exists. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something you have to go get. It's already yours. It's already available. It's already for you. Amen? You just need your mind enlightened. Praise God. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and say, Lord Jesus, you are my absolute, indisputable ruler. You're the rule maker of my life. And I receive your lordship afresh and anew today. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is mine to receive. And I receive the fullness of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. And I rejoice because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even my faith, I believe in you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Well, our usher is going to bring us the uh, emblems of the communion, and we're going to take communion together. The communion symbolizes the indwelling of the Holy Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, even if he was dead, he will live. Amen? Eternal life comes through the indwelling of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Jesus at the Last Supper took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And it's important to note that the bread he broke, he had pulled out from under his chair. He was sitting in the Messiah's chair. Every Passover, they always left a seat unoccupied. And that was the Messiah's chair. And underneath the Messiah's chair was this, this unleavened bread that was wrapped in a, a, a cloth like a, a, like a, a, a napkin or serviette. And that was, that was the unleavened bread of the, of the, of the Passover. And Jesus, when he sat there, he, he reached down under the chair, pulled out that particular item, unwrapped it, held that bread up and said, this is my body. And if they, weren't, if they didn't know what was going on before, they knew then that he was claiming he was the Messiah. And this is my body, which is broken for you. Amen. He said, as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. This is prior to him going to the whipping post. But he said he knew what was going to happen. And he submitted to it. He told him it's going to happen. And he submitted to it. But he said, Any, anyone who receives that, that brokenness of my own body, he's going to live forever. Peter, looking back on it, said, with his stripes, we were healed. Amen? So, Lord Jesus, right now, I receive my healing. Spirit, soul, body, finances, relationships, marriage, children, anything that's broken in my life, I give it to you now, Jesus. Let your resurrection power now make it live. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's eat together. Then he took the cup. And in, in the same manner, he said, this is, this, is the, this is my blood in the New Testament. In other words, he was instituting a new covenant. Anytime there's a, the, uh, the making of a covenant, there had to be uh, the shedding of blood. This time it was the sinless blood of God Almighty. God says, I'm going to make a deal with you and I'm going to seal it in my blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, not human blood, but my own sacrifice. He was signifying that he was going to sacrifice himself. And he said, if you, eat my, if you receive my sacrifice, you're going to live and you're going to have benefits. Everybody say benefits. See, the covenant had benefits. And we've talked a lot about those benefits. But as we drink this, let's remember, this is the blood of sacrifice. And if you'll follow suit and serve the Lord with sacrifice, the same power that raised him from the dead will raise you from the dead. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for this blood. And we receive it. We receive the power behind it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Somebody told me one time, Pastor, you talk a lot about communion, and you, you hardly ever say the same thing. And I take that as a compliment because I don't think we can ever exhaust the subject. Matter of fact, we're going to be taking communion throughout eternity in heaven. So uh, that just tells you it's a deep subject. And there's a lot of power in it. Amen. Praise God. Mm, let's just worship Him for a little bit in your own way. Offer up the sacrifice of praise. Offer up to Him a sacrifice of praise. Say, Pastor, I don't feel like it. That's what makes it a sacrifice. And if you feel like it, go ahead and do it until you don't feel like it and do it some more. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand together, lifting up our hands to the Lord without wrath and doubting. Let's lift up holy hands unto the Lord without any wrath, without any anger. Lord, we're not mad at you. Lord, we do not doubt you. Hallelujah. You're the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the creator of the ends of the earth. You're the God who sustains and keeps us. You're the King of all kings, Lord of all lords, majesty on high. Hallelujah. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my Father. Hallelujah. And I receive, I receive the Lordship of Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name.